Podcast. This is a podcast designed to be a resource to pastors and men's ministry leaders as they build out an engaging ministry with their men. We do this because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, biblically based man of God. This podcast is sponsored by Men's Ministry Catalyst, a ministry now in its 42nd year designed to do exactly what we said guide church leadership as they build an engaging ministry with their men. Hi, everyone. My name is Wendell Morton. I am the Executive Director of Men's Minister Catalyst. It's so great to have you here today. You are the reason we do what we do. You're the reason we exist. And you know my co-host. Let me introduce him again. Dale Udy. Dale, welcome. Good to have you on board as always. Great to be with you, Wendell. You know, we cover a lot of great topics, I think, for men. But the one we've got today... I think guys need to really hold on to this. I think we're going to learn an awful lot about this process of mentoring men or from boys to men. And I, you Mm -hmm. know, the old expression, it takes a true man to call a boy into manhood. And I think we're going to hear that theme over Mm -hmm. and over with our guests today. Amen. Amen. So I want to introduce you, Dr. Dedrick Sims. He's currently the chief executive officer of the Sims Fayola Foundation, which started in 2014. Their mission is to improve the life outcomes of young men and boys of color and the capacity of youth professionals who partner with them. Dr. Sims is an educator, having started in the classroom, as well as starting three different schools in three different states. He's also a civic leader, having been appointed to several gubernatorial and mayoral committees over the years. No matter what you find him doing, Dedrick has a tremendous passion for mentoring young men. Recognizing the complex challenges that face young men and boys of color, his foundation developed a comprehensive strategy to change their life trajectories and address barriers inhibiting their successes, therefore fulfilling a significant need in the urban areas, beginning in Metro Denver. Dedrick, welcome. Thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to us today. No, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for, you know, for providing space for this conversation uh, and I really hope that this this uh, conversation uh, reaches someone um, in, in the depths of who they are. Yeah. Amen. Can you talk a little bit about your history and what brought you to where you are? What, what was the birthing of this passion to uh, to mentor boys, specifically boys of color? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, it was birthed out of pain. It was birthed yeah. out of pain. It was birthed yeah. out. Of, it was birthed out of neglect. It was it was birthed out of violence. Um, my mom, single mom, um, unfortunately became dependent on drugs, uh, mm. when we were in the fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And it was drugs that became a normal part of our life. Um, and mm. with, with drugs come circumstances and outcomes. Yep. 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 Um, yep. You know, yep. Un- un- unfortunately I was shot twice by my mom. Wow. And, and it was teachers who it was teachers who who showed me something outside of my four block radius. Mm-hmm. It was te- it was teachers who showed me uh, who who kind of nurtured the, the 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 natural inquisitive nature that I had as a kid. Uh, yeah. it, it, it was teachers I wanted to go to every day Monday through Friday and on the weekends awesome. if I could. Awesome. Yep. And 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 when they showed me something different, then I knew there was something different. 
Mm. And, and wow. they, they, I mean, I think about the first time I went skating was with a teacher. The first time I went ice skating was with a teacher. The first time I went to wow. uh, theater was, was, was with a teacher. And so wow. when I look at my life and my trajectory of being an educator, you know, being yep. in education yep. you know, almost 30 years, starting schools and, and, yep. and, you know, being a classroom educator, as well as the work that we do now, you know, yeah. I've always, I always ask God to put me in a position to, to be a blessing, uh, not mm-hmm. to just, not to just provide one, but for my life to be one. And for a long time, yeah. I, for a long time, well, I was, you know, I, I was ashamed of my story. And then mm-hmm. I realized that there was power in my story. And the first time mm-hmm. I told it, the first time I told it, I, I, I saw the way that it kind of changed the dispositions and the levers within a young man that I was talking to. Um, and since then I've been, you know, really free with sharing the story because my pain, you know, has turned into someone else's gain. And I used to pray and ask God, why, why did I have to be the ones to go through, yeah. to go through that? The person who was supposed to show me how to love others, show me yeah. how to yeah. uh, provide empathy is one who calls me one of the most painful, painful times in my life. Mm. And, you know, that sacrifice that I had to make when I was young has turned into the ability <clears throat> and the good fortune of having impacted over 13,000 boys that I know of right now, um, across, across the country and, and, you know, and counting. So that's what, you know, that's, that's where I came from. It was my thoughts and reflections on how I needed what I am now to boys, like everything about our foundation, the work that we do was everything I needed as a kid. So it comes from a very very authentic place. And, and so when I reflect on that, um, God has given me what I asked for, right? He's given me the ability to be a blessing to, to others, a walking blessing, a real time blessing. Um, and you know, my life and my story helps them get there. And I, I'm very appreciative of the platform. And like I said before, very humbled by the responsibility in the work. You know, Dedrick, it came to my mind, God gives people in some cases, they want something very special and God gives them the desires of their heart, but God's given you the desires of his heart, because I think that's God's heartbeat for young boys as well. Yeah. Well said, well said, Dale. Well, that's powerful. Dedrick, thank you for being open and sharing your story and, I know already you've touched people who are listening because many of them have pain in their past that need to be, maybe it's not exactly like yours, but it's pain in the past that needs to be turned into a blessing for the future and, and making an impact on those who are walking that journey as well. One of the phrases you used, Edric, I'd like to to settle on here for a little bit. You talk about the school to prison pipeline. Mm. Talk about that for just a little bit. What is it? why does it exist and what's the disruptor or the, the solution if there is one at this point? Yeah. The kind of formal thought or definition or think about <clears throat> around the school to prison pipeline is that there is this pathway from school to prison for young men and boys of color yeah. uh, for students of color in general, but specifically, but especially young men and boys of color, meaning that, meaning that the disproportionate, uh, rate of of suspensions, the diff- the disproportionate rates of expulsion, the disproportionate rate of harsh discipline, really mimics what's happening in our community and what's happening yep. in, in in the real justice system. When I was in school, when when, when I got in trouble, Wendell, I used to have to go to the principal, and the worst thing that could happen to me was to get a paddling. 
You know, remember that? Yep. You yep. used to, used to yep. get a picture. Yep. I, ne- I never met the police department in the in the office. Mm. I never met the school resource officer in the, in the, in the office. And now, uh, you know, you could get an infraction in school, break a school discipline code, and end up getting a ticket that you, where you have to go see the judge. Um, and the judge, in all his power, tries to compel you to do, you know, what they consider to be right. But if you don't, right, then there's a chance that not only could you be suspended from school, you could also be put on probation and those things. So it's a very slippery slope. And, yep, when, you think yep. about, and when you think about the disproportionality that happens with, with students of color, and, and especially young men and boys of color, their chances and likelihood to end up in front of the judge is a lot greater than, mm-hmm. you know, than, yep. and, than, than, than our white brothers and sisters. And so that yep. school, that's yep. the school, that's the school to prison pipeline. And we all know that once you get into the system, it's kind of hard to get the system out of your life. Right. Uh, there are all kind of negative outcomes that stem from that. Right. Where you got to explain yourself yep. on job applications, college applications, those things that like yep. you, you're yep. introduced to the, to the criminal system at a very young age. Uh, and is and it's and it's unfair. And so mm-hmm. that is the kind of formal thought around the school to prison pipeline. Now, what causes that? There, there are many inputs, right? Yep. There are yep. there are teachers who don't want to understand how to build relationships, authentic relationships with kids in order to get kids to uh to to wrap their their, their, their minds around the expectations of, of what school looked like. Uh, there's cultural, I think, rubs around yeah. what's normal in communities of color and what's not normal in in, in 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 other communities. And so, when you think about a school system that's kind of built on uh, middle class white values, and how that school system is inherently at odds with a lot of kids of color, um, that that the likelihood of the of of the kid of color, in particular boys of color you know, coming against this, these, these expectations and these, and, and, and these rules is high. Oh, and, yeah. if, and, if, and if the consequence is getting a ticket mm. versus going to the office and maybe getting the tension, right. If the consequence is getting the ticket and being introduced to the, to the court system, then that school to prison pipeline is a slippery yeah. slope that, that expands yeah, that expands and introduces that kind of concept into uh, into kids of color life. Now that's one input, right? But there's a, right, there's a, right, number, right, right. There's a number of inputs. We'll need two or three podcasts to talk about this, yeah, but there's right. a number of, of other inputs, but that one is the most common one and the most recognized one when it comes to, to the schooling. That's helpful to understand that. It's, um, it's unfortunate that it exists um, and we need to keep uh, working to, to change that. Um, you had teachers who were involved in your life in a, in a relational way that 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 broke that particular chain for you. Otherwise, you, based on your own story, could have gone down that path pretty easily as well. If yeah. they brought the police in, you indicated no police. Where where she gets a paddling? Maybe we need to go back to that and, uh, and move forward. <laughs> I'll get some comments on that one, won't I? But I, I think there's some. I think there's some value to, you know, the, the model you talked about was there was relational input to help change the trajectory of what's going on. And that's all of our responsibility, whether it's with a, uh, for me, a, a, a white young man or a black young man or a brown young man. It doesn't matter the color if I can build a bridge of relationship to help them 
um, not get caught up in those those pipelines, whether it's school to prison or, or any other. Yeah, relationships are key. I mean, you know, I say all the time when I talk, when I travel around the country working with educators or, you know, people who just work with kids of color or kids in general, that, you know, kids will break rules before they before they break relationships. And if you can, wow. and if you can establish you can establish great relationships with, you know, with people, authentic relationships, not just surface level relationships, yep. but authentic yep. relationships that dig into their beliefs and and help to help them shape their identity and help them, you know, and, and to affirm who they are. Um, when you when you get those kind of relationships, especially in, in society now where those relationships are few and far between, even within families, um, that's key. Correct. That's that's that, that's powerful. And and that truth rings true across cultures. Um, but it's especially true for communities of color where this idea of La Familiism or family yeah. or, or communal living in, you know, or interdependent relationships is something that's a part of our culture. And so when you can tap into that, into the importance of that, then whatever you're trying to do. Whether you're whether you're a teacher or whether you're a pastor or whether you you know are, are are a mentor, it opens the door that much wider for you to make real impact. Well, I like that. Restate that comment about they'll break a rule before they break a relationship. Talk yeah. to me. Let, let's just just dig into that just a bit more, if you don't mind. If you have yeah, I'll dig, a few I'll thoughts dig on that. Yeah, I'll dig into it from a from a from a perspective of a a person of color. One of the things that is really important in our community is family, uh, is yeah. kinships, uh, our our relationships. When you think about the history of communities of color, relationships have been a big important have been an important part of even surviving. Right, uh, yeah. having the right relationships that you know could get you out of harm when you was in harm's way, but also to could help you to to get resources. And so. Uh, Dr. Dr. Edwin Nichols, uh, who's, a, who's a friend of mine, uh, he came up with this chart a long time ago, time ago called the Philosophical Chart of Differences. And he talks about in this chart, in, in this chart that a lot of the uh, issues between cultures and races has to do with a philosophical differences between b- between axiology. Axiology means values, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about communities of color, not that our white brothers and sisters don't have it, but communities of color have an especially uh, uh, close relationship, uh, axiology of member member, which means that we value the person, person to person. So we will break rules before we break the relationships, right? That means that, that's you know, we, yeah, break. And that's why, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not promoting gangs, but gangs, right. Promote relationships, they right. Do. You find belonging. When you look at Mas- yep. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. right. Yep. Yep. We think about significance and being able to, so those relationships provide significance. Those relationships provide identity. Those relationships provide a grounding into who you are, but more importantly, who you could be. Now we don't want them to be gangsters and we don't want them to be, right. But in the absence of real relationships in families and in communities, that basic basic need from humanity has to get met. And so you think about teachers and pastors and mentors that when we are in the people business, we also also are in the relationship business. You know, we think about the work that we do that's life changing and life saving. Surface level relationships are not good enough because this business it's not when it's not if, but times do get hard. Right. And when times get hard, people are pushed into corners to survive and you got to be able to, have a your moral compass as to why you're doing this work 
has to be a, the right thing. Yep. 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 And, and if you have a relationship with someone, an authentic relationship to where you care about them, just as if you cared about your blood brother or your daughter or your sister or, or your son, you're going to want the best for them. And you're going to uh, do what you can in order for them to survive and thrive. And so that's, that's the key to having these authentic relationships. So again, I'll say it all day that people will, will kids especially will break rules before they break relationships. That's, that's powerful. I think of um, uh, coaches in my life. Again, I'm, I'm not a person of color. I, I don't come from a broken family. I, I, I'm, I'm adopted. So I, I had that little thing rattling around in my head, but um, I don't have any of that. But even in the midst of that, a family together, my dad was slightly absent, um, stoic. And I had coaches, I had two specifically coaches that were in my basketball life that one would would open the gym on a, on a Sunday afternoon and we'd have kids from all over the neighborhood opening and playing ball. Right. And so we were building that, that I'll use your, your word gang, but your gang mentality, your, your herd mentality, which we all have yep. and, and drawing it together. And then I had a, a, a JV basketball coach, big guy, six, eight and, about six, eight wide too, but uh, he, he played college ball and, and he loved to get the kids together off of school hours just to play ball. And he poured into our life, my life and, and Dedrick, that's exactly, that's what teachers did to you is what I'm hearing. And uh, everybody, everybody has to have it. There's, if you, if you don't, I don't care what pipeline you call it, you're in a negative pipeline. It's, it has dire consequences. Yeah. You're going to get pretty uh, isolated out. And I yeah. think that's why people want those relationships. And, you know, Dedrick, you're, you're spot on that wow. that relationship comes first and that, that feeling of being validated and being connected. So important. No, I totally agree. And that's, I mean, those are the first steps and the, what I think the foundational steps to mentoring is. Yep. 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 Well, um, Dedrick, we're we're running out of time, unfortunately, on this one. We'll have you back again soon because I want to dig into the mentoring um, because I think that's a really critical factor. And you, you've, t- I know you have some steps and processes that you put together to help make that happen. So I do want to dig into that. Thank you for being on today. Uh, you're open, authentic, and yet come from an educator standpoint, relational standpoint. Uh, you've got the the ear of the of the governor and the mayor and others who who want to hear and listen and begin to try to implement and execute from a from a, a societal standpoint. Mm-hmm. But relationships are personal, and so we've got to take our part as well yeah. and get involved personally in the journey to help change a trajectory or an alter trajectory. And, and Proverbs says, or Psalm says it that that we can touch generations yet to be born. Psalm 78. And that ultimately is what we're trying to do. Break a cycle, change the generation that will impact generations yet to be born. Yeah. Well, I, I am happy and humble to be a part of this conversation. And hopefully something I said will uh, spark something in someone to do something good or different in their own lives or, or for Amen. someone else. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, um, everybody. Just a reminder that our episodes are launched on the first and third Thursdays of every month. If you've not yet subscribed, please do so on our website or wherever you consume podcasts. Prior to the episode, we do release um, show notes, and we look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Again, you're the reason we exist, and we do this because every man deserves an opportunity to become an authentic, 
biblically based man of God. 